Today on Locked On Canadians, we will try to break down whatever that was against the Florida Panthers. And then we have your Habs mailbag because it's Friday. All that's coming up in just one moment on Locked On Canadians. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 769 Nice of Locked On Canadians. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla. And I have to be honest, neither of us have any idea how to explain that game against the Florida Panthers. There was a score. There were clearly <laughs> events that happened in it. But if you wanted me to describe the game in one sentence, I probably would not be able to. Uh, Scott, how are you doing after witnessing that? After a long day, a long day full of positive things. I, I, I've seen, we've seen a lot, a lot of dumb games in our time as podcast hosts and our time as fans of the Montreal Canadiens. Tonight was certainly one of them. And to be very clear when we're going through this, we're not letting the Canadians off the hook for their poor effort. They started this game playing about as well as you could expect for a team that is missing so many key pieces and is playing so many rookies in a game. And then everything spiraled off the rails after their failed goaltender interference challenge. And we will get to the officiating of this game in our next segment, because that deserves its own absolute bulldozing for how things happened. This game was dumb, piled on top of stupid, put into a jar of idiots that just got microwaved in tinfoil for an hour. Absolutely brain-meltingly dumb hockey. And the Canadians fed into that. They got frustrated. They took penalties. Yes, they took penalties, but oh my God, was this game just unhinged for the second half of it entirely. Officials try, didn't even try to keep this game under control. It's, it's frustrating because Samuel Montembeau played so well, and then he just couldn't hold the wall back anymore. Giving up four power play goals in a game is bad. Absolutely unacceptably bad. And Samuel Montembeau did his best as he could out there. And the team just kind of fell apart. They are still a very mentally fragile team. The next meeting in March, if any of these players, if a good chunk of these players are still on either team, it's going to get ugly. There are quotes from Arbor Jackeye tonight that are, uh, to put it lightly, spicy. And you know what? That's that's what kind of what you want. And this uh, actually comes directly uh, on this is on Radko Gudis, who at the end of the game, after getting absolutely nuked by Kirby Doc in just mm, chef's kiss of a hit, tried to take him out at the knees with a minute left in the game. His team was winning by four goals, 
after he got run over by Nick Suzuki earlier, didn't draw a call on that. And then after Josh Anderson gave him a tap in the back and he acted like he got a 308 round to the back of his kneecap. You're Radko Gudis, and everyone knows you're one of the toughest dudes in the league. This is a quote from Arbor Jacki on Gudis not answering the bell. He never does. I don't know what's up with that guy. He'll be taking runs at guys' knees all game. He does play hard. I'll give him that. But at some point, you've got to show you're going to be able to do that. Arbor Jacki has played, what, 30-something NHL, 40-something NHL games this year? And he just straight up called Radko Gudis a punk. And he's not wrong. Radko Gudis is legitimately a very good defensive defenseman. An absolute pain in the ass to play against. He's also one of the dirtiest players in the league and has never really been made to answer for it. And that's Arbor Jack I calling him out after he got boarded from behind. There was no call. He wasn't happy about that. Got ganked on by four members of the Panthers. Got a 10-minute misconduct for that. Came out. Giovanni Smith wanted to fight him. Don't do that. You're going to lose. This game was just clown shoes. And that's putting it because I can't say the other words I want to say about this because we are a family-friendly, non-explicit podcast. If you want my uncensored thoughts, you can go follow me on Twitter where I will post all of those fun four-letter words for you. Just a stupid game all the way around. You got to keep your composure Martin St. Louis, you know, obviously is doing his best with what he's got, but just a game that got out of hand and got away from everybody, Panthers, Canadians, officials, everybody, just an ugly, stupid game. And all of it probably could have been avoided if the officials put a kibosh on things earlier, but that's, that's for our next segment there. I think. Martin St. Louis at one point, like did a face palm so hard that I haven't seen parents of toddlers do in a while. <laughs> I mean, like, I have, like, Scott, both, we're both at that age where we've got plenty of friends that have, like, two kids under five years old. And that was the exact face that Martin St. Louis was making because I believe that was the, was that the, it was the second too many men call in a row, but was it the third too many men call of the game? <laughs> I think it was their second too many men in a row where he just puts his hands in. The first one he really did was when Joel Edmondson got a very uh, charitably soft holding call at the end of the first period where Martin St. Louis is just kind of, you know, what do, what do you do? Like, he he's at his, not a Rubicon point, but another teaching point for himself, I think, in this game was there's a long way to go. Ken Hughes said it yesterday. There's a lot of work to be done. And God love the team for trying. Evgeny Dodonov and Mike Hoffman were trying tonight, but when you're fighting another team and the officials on every single shift, it doesn't usually go in your favor at all. I just also want to say that, like, I mean, we're going to get into this in the next segment, but it was just, it was so off the rails that at, the, at one point, like, it, I was starting to, like, get mad that the Canadians allowed four unanswered goals and power play goals at that. And then I just, like, I completely shifted my perspective to, I don't even know what's going on here. Like, it's so off the rails that I can't explain this game. Um, and I've been watching hockey for a long time. And as you all know, I talk about hockey five days a week, literally on this podcast. <laughs> and I still, like, if you tried, like, there was no unifying cohesive thought to that game. Like, I couldn't even be like, the Canadians were bad. 
Like, it wasn't just that the Canadians were bad. It was two bad teams going completely wildly off the rails. And we're going to talk about why that is in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. As you know, Built Bar is a delicious treat. It is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you will know that it is so low in sugar, so high in protein, low in calorie, easy to take anywhere with you. It is a delicious bar. It's, it's literally like a candy bar, but it's full of protein and it's going to give you that energy. And now you can find it at Walmart and Sam's Club. You can literally walk in and get the most popular flavors at Walmart or Sam's Club. If in the case that you don't want to do that and you want to go to built.com, you can also get 15% off your order, like 15% off your order just with using our promo code LOCKEDON15. So whether you find it at Walmart or you go to builtbar.com or built.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off, we highly recommend you try Built Bar because as we said, it is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. So, so delicious. We love it. You will love it. Trust us. All right. So I know... Scott, you've got a rant coming. <laughs> I was going to try and prompt it with like some smart segue, but instead I'm just going to ask you, what are your thoughts, musings, feelings about the officiating in that game? So before I get into the whole penalties they called thing, I'm going to go right in and go and just ask the question directly to God forbid anyone from the NHL is watching this right now, but hey, what the hell is goaltender interference? I, I want to know what goaltender interference is. I want a standard. I'm not asking for, you know, miracles. I'm asking for a baseline to understand what this is supposed to be. For those who might not have been able to watch the game tonight, I'm going to attempt to paint you a picture because I do not think we are allowed to upload clips that I have clipped from the game to our podcast because they are owned by the NHL and copyright and we don't feel like getting anyways. There is a play. Samuel Montembeau comes out of his crease to make a save. And then as he is attempting to get back into his blue paint, Matthew Kachuk is in front of him. He blocks Samuel Montembeau from diving across to attempt to make a save on a Sam Reinhart goal. And it is ruled no goaltender interference. Kachuk is in the blue paint, very clearly blocks Montembeau from getting back into the play. And the officials went, well, we don't think he would have had a chance at it. Alex Lyon in the first period made a rotating paddle save on Cole Caulfield. You're going to tell me you can't even give Samuel Montembeau a chance to make that save before you go, well, he wouldn't have made it anyways. How do you know that? You don't. And the standard is so bloody different every single time. Are, can they be in the paint? Can they not be in the paint? How soon did they run into this person? He literally obstructed him on the way to the net. And I don't get it because at that point, that goal went in. It's 2 nothing. They challenge. They don't get it. They go back on the penalty kill. They get scored on. It's 3 nothing, And then all hell breaks loose after that. And before that where this game started to get off the rails is Mike Matheson very clearly two feet from the puck absolutely just destroys Eric Stahl with a reverse check that knocks Stahl out of the game. 
Should have been a penalty for interference. I don't think it was anything more than that. And at that point, this game just lost everything. Because after Florida went up, all they did is, we're just going to go get in Matheson's ear. He got in a fight with Matthew Kachuk. And then Giovanni Smith, Ryan Lomberg, and other people at the end of the second period are swarming all over Arbor Jack Eyes. He's just one guy. There are four of them. And the officials are letting him get hit in the face. Ten-minute misconduct, ten-minute misconduct. Then Arbor Jack Eye bludgeoned that poor guy without even really trying. Michael Pozzetta gets in a fight with Ryan Lomberg. And then I think the part that really kind of pushed it over the edge for me in terms of just how bad this game was, Josh Anderson gets sent to the box for cross-checking Radko Gudis. Probably should have been called when he swung his stick over the top of his head and hit him in the back of the head. Gudis didn't go down from that, but Anderson shoved him in the back in a battle in front of the net, and Gudis flopped down, got a penalty. They scored on the power play. Shocking, I know. What happened later on, and I believe it was the third period, Mike Hoffman and Mark Stahl are in the corner, and Mark Stahl is just working him over with cross-checks over and over and over and over and over again, at least 15 seconds worth of it. Brian Mudrick and Sergio Mameso were almost stunned that nothing was called on this. And then at the other end, David Savard lands a hit, Mark Stahl cross-checks him, Savard shoves him back, and they send both of them to the box. Mark Stahl got away with like six uncalled cross-checks in that, and they just let it go. And then Savard, over at the bench, taps his stick, gives him a plus, gets hit. They give him a five-minute for abuse of an official. They should have thrown him out of the game and then turn it into a 10-minute misconduct. So he had to sit in the box. And then all the uh, too many men on the ice penalties and such happened and whatnot. And it was a farce. Not counting Nick Suzuki getting his stick stolen out of his hands or anything like that. Just across the board, this game was an absolute joke. Sam Bennett should have gotten a five-minute major for kneeing Jordan Harris. He didn't even try to hide it. And you know what? The officials couldn't exactly, you know, make Paul Maurice look bad after the NHL fined him $25,000 for complaining about the officiating the game before. They come in, Maurice just got fined, and then all of a sudden, everything that could go the Panthers' way goes the Panthers' way. If I'm Martin St. Louis, I get up there and I take the fine in two friggin' languages. Call them out in English, call them out in French. Make sure they get the message in both things. I'll help pay your damn fine because it's a joke. There's no standard for officiating. There's no standard for goaltender interference. And people are going to get hurt. People did get hurt tonight. And I can't wait to see what the suspension or fine list looks like because it's probably going to be nothing because the NHL doesn't give a crap about player safety. It's, it's so mind-boggling. And we have done this before, and we have had this rant before about player safety at least once or twice a year since we started this show. It's a joke It's terrible, and the players and fans deserve better than whatever that crap everyone at the Bell Center watched tonight. Holy mother of God, do fans deserve better than this? Also, Cole Caulfield didn't make the All-Star game. So there's that, too, because the the voting thing is... That That is a scam. (laughs) Hockey fandom is a scam. I want 20 years of my life back. It is a scam. Cole Caulfield not making the All-Star game is a huge scam. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I saw the votes. Remember I told you I would know if you weren't voting? I know that you were. That was That's a whole... We're not even going to get into that. I'm so upset. Cole Caulfield deserves to be at the All-Star game. Uh, speaking of Cole Caulfield, there are lots of mailback questions, some of which are about him. Um, and that's all coming up in our next segment. We're going to try to get to, to as many as possible today. And then if, we're, if we don't, we're going to 
flips them over to next week like we always do. And that's coming up in just one moment. All right, everybody. It is time for the mailbag. So I let Scott talk for that entire segment, mostly because nobody can do an, a goalie interference rant or an officiating rant quite like my co-host Scott Matla, literally the best in the business at this. Um, and so now it is time to turn it over to all of you and ask some lovely mailbag questions. All right. So I am going to start with uh, one that we got that short and sweet over email. From Bruce R. Longtime listener, love your show. Thank you. Apologies if you already covered this, but with Cole Caulfield having 26 goals but only two penalty minutes in 45 games, is it time to sp- start speaking Lady Bing? I mean, a- absolutely. I mean, if there's any campaign I can get behind, it's definitely a thing that will make some other fan base very, very angry about that. And I thought they were going to say Selkie for a minute, and I went, his defensive game isn't that good, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm absolutely all for Cole Caulfield for Lady Bing uh, talk. I don't think it's going to happen just because offensive, truly offensive players outside of like, you know, a Pavel Datsuk generally don't win an award like that because it's gentlemanly conduct and it's, there's weird conceptions about it, but he does seem to fit the bill. He doesn't get in scrums. He skates away. He doesn't, you know, do anything you know sneaky dirty or anything like that he's just the small goals boy he gets on and off the ice to score goals that's about it he gets on the ice to score goals he gets he doesn't get off the ice that's the thing he's either on the bench or scoring goals um and then so we got we got a lot of questions about tonight's game so i'm going to start with one from tristan what is goaltender interference and a follow-up question but what is goaltender interference? It's a magical concept that no one understands. It's like adult happiness or not being in debt. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't exist and no one can explain why. We've got a question from Boondoggle. What the expletive deleted is goalie interference. Please rage with me. See previous segment, Boondoggle. Um, and then <laughs> another question. Which was worse tonight? The Montreal penalty kill or the officiating? Oh, man, that's a two-horse race down the toilet if I've ever heard one before in my life. Um, <laughs> Scott, you were on admittedly, your today. <laughs> before, admittedly, in this, from a completely like fair point of view, the officiating was rough, but not as bad as we've seen it until like the third period. The Canadians' penalty kill coming unglued when it did is unfortunate. Part of it is the goaltender interference, but you can't give up four power play goals in the game. The officiating was bad, but legitimately just stop them at some point. I'm begging you. So it's another mailbag question from Boondoggle, but this one is is one where there's an actual suggestion. Uh, since goalie interference is a joke, could the NHL reduce the number of incidents by adopting the uh, Internationalized Hockey Federation crease violation? I think the NHL could solve a lot of problems by adopting IIHF rules, including head contact is an automatic game misconduct or a five minute major. I think that would do a lot to curb things. I don't dislike that because I know what the standard is for it. I know that if you were in the crease and 
you know, you interfere with the goalie, it's coming back. I like knowing what the standard is. And that's all we're asking for is a standard. People can dislike the IIHF because it seems overly harsh in certain ways, but at least I know what I am getting out of that. I don't know what I'm getting from the NHL on a regular basis, which is a problem. I don't think the NHL knows. The NHL just makes it up as it goes. It's just the mystery box. It could be anything. It could be the right call. It could be another penalty. It could be Cole Caulfield not going to the All-Star game. It could be three monkeys on a coat in a unicycle. You don't know. But the (laughs) NHL will give it to you one way or the other. Uh, We've got some questions from Haroon. Should Hughes and Gorton wait till they get their price on some players or just move them now? I think they should wait for their price. I know we talked about this last episode a little bit about it's a little bit tougher now as they have so many ins that they're, con- that they're waiting on. But if you get an offer that feels too good to be true, honestly, take it. At this point, you know, the season, you are who you are this season. You're going to be a feisty team who's not very good. That's okay. If you can get your price on things, because uh, Elliot Friedman today talking about how Jonathan Tays might go for a second round pick or a third round pick at the trade deadline. If that's the standard for like one of the longest serving captains, it makes me wonder what the actual market is for guys like Sean Monahan. And if someone's offering you a first and nothing else, just take it, take it and run honestly. Cause that's just smart business. Realistically, if Hughes and Gorton moved your and Dadanoff, what would the return be for them? I think with Druan, you can get probably a, like a B tier prospect in like a mid round pick. Evgeny Dodonov, you might get a fifth or a sixth round pick, which, okay, fine. You didn't really pay anything for Evgeny Dodonov. You traded a guy who wasn't going to play again uh, for this organization. His play as of late is much better. And maybe that translate into a third or fourth round pick. If you can pile up some more points, I would love to see that. Uh, but I think if you get anything above fifth round pick, you are absolutely, uh, you're absolutely making out like bandits on that. And then the next question is, uh, should the Canadians eat salary to move Hoffman or Armenia, uh, Armenia, Armia, (laughs) Um, or should they get bought out this summer? I don't like either option, to be honest. I think you wait for a trade. I think there's going to be a trade. I think um, if anything, Armia might get bought out. I don't think they're going to retain salary though. Um, I th- there is a window where you can get a compliance buyout, but I believe it has to go to arbitration on something first. So um, I don't know if they have any arbitration eligible forwards, but if they go to arbitration and they sign someone through that, it opens up a compliance buyout window, I believe, uh, which would allow them to potentially buy out one of these contracts without penalty. I may be wrong on that. So please correct me uh, if possible. I don't think they're going to retain salary. They want to shed this cap to be able to build the team their way right now. And retaining salary is, it's not exactly a thing that can happen. Uh, We've got one from KCD. Casey, I'm curious where you're walking, by the way, in the winter months. Let me know. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite Habs jersey of all time? Oh, man. I mean, it's hard to beat the classic. Like it, it is what it is for a reason. I love their winter classic Jersey from 2016, where they played in Foxborough, the white 
with the felt crest, uh, the globe on the arm. I have a Paul Byron one upstairs, actually. Uh, it's one of the first like alternate uh, Habs jerseys I bought. Uh, I, I love it to death. It is very special. I've bought a bunch of their outdoor jerseys. I have their original uh, red and green centennial. Uh, and the barber pole is growing on me. Tricolore Sports has uh, replicas of them for sale, and I'm debating buying one, even though I don't need more hockey jerseys at this point. So, uh, but my answer is going to be the 2016 Winter Classic. Uh, it's one of my favorite jerseys. I actually love the barber pole jersey. I also liked last year's. Was it last year? Or the year before the cursed. Uh, reverse retro. I love that. They're one. both cursed. Um, like they're both. If they're both, and they're both beautiful. They're beautiful. They're but cursed, cursed at this point. Who so. isn't? Um, who among us is not beautiful but cursed? <laughs> um, so, I, I think. I think for me though, I, I, I think the classic. You have to go with the classic. But I, I will go on the record as somebody who loves that hideous barber pole jersey. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> and then our good friend. Blaine Potvin. If the Habs use an emergency call-up on a prospect, did you pick uh, Joshua Watt or Owen Beck? Either way, you're golden. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to say something controversial here. Uh, Neither. And I'm taking uh, Philip Mashar instead. Uh, Philip Mashar can play center, can play on the wing, and plays a similar style to Jesse Olin, and, and I think that is something this lineup sorely needs. If I have to pick between the two, I'm taking Owen Beck, though. Uh, the flexibility and the defensive responsibility, I think, is uh, a huge opportunity for him uh, on that. But personally, I'd take Mashar first, but I would understand that it would very, very likely be Owen Beck who would probably get the call there. So we've got a question that was actually asked last week, but we missed it because we recorded uh, before the question was posted. And that is, again, from Boondago. Was it a mistake to pass on Eli Tolvanen when he hit the waiver wire? Young and talented and gives affordable depth after the Habs move a half dozen players out. So since this question was asked, there have been a million injuries on the Habs. So it's become even more pertinent. So what are your thoughts, Scott? Uh, Yes, but at the time, they didn't have the cap space to actually claim uh, Ellie Tolvanen. Uh, if they did, if they were in this current situation and Tolvin and hit the waiver wire, I would say claim him in a heartbeat. However, they didn't really have the cap space at the time. They still had depth of the AHL to call up. Slavkovsky was healthy. Evans was healthy. Armia was healthy. Druin was healthy. They didn't really have a spot for him. It would have kind of just been, hey, this is nice. Let's add extra to it kind of thing. Uh, now, a completely different story, obviously. I would take Tolvin in, in a heartbeat, honestly. So we have some questions. excuse me we have some questions that we are going to move to next week richard your question from via email and all of you guys who asked on youtube this week we're moving that to next week and we're going to end today's episode with our nemesis question uh and honestly it's not so bad the nemesis asks us which habs player would order the weirdest barely recognizable as a normal dish as the normal dish, poutine. Rem Pitlick. I he'd get some weird like vegan sprouts cheese thing that I is not like a poutine. Like he just strikes me as that kind of guy. Uh, or Slavkovsky, just because someone would talk him into thinking it's a good idea. Like 
no, 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 no. This is definitely what you would get on there. And it's got like <laughs> mushrooms and like weird stuff. You know, I, I could see him being, you know, like rookie hazed into ordering the weirdest poutine at like La Banquise after a game or something like that. Or like fish fingers on a poutine. Oh, um, God, why would you why would you put Listen, that into the world? I'm sure someone's done it. OK, like I'm sure this isn't something where like I put it out into the world and it's never been thought of. I, I like, hope it's never been thought of because uh, yeah, yeah. before we get confident. into yelling about poutines here. So <laughs> you didn't want to do a rant in the third segment. You did one in the first. You did one in the second. You didn't want to do one in the third. <laughs> no, I can't because I think I woke the dog up. She's sleeping behind me and I can kind of hear her kicking in her crate, which tells me that I woke her up from her snoring. So I kind of feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah, but that was the official's fault, not yours. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, Paul Maurice. You woke up my dog stupid jerk <laughs> and with that uh, we will end today's show of course if you'd like to send us mailbag questions you can email them to lockedoncanadians at gmail.com or tweet them at us at lo underscore canadians you can also dm us on twitter you can also leave them in the youtube comments can you just put mailbag questions somewhere in the in the comment because sometimes it's just a discussion point and sometimes you're actually asking a mailbag question so just let us know. You can do that in the YouTube comments. You can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matley. You'll find me at The Active Stick. And we're going to thank you so much for listening and hope you join us on Monday for a three up and three down.